Well, good morning, uh, and uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, my privilege to uh, share with you a few thoughts uh, about parenting. Again, my name is Andreas Kostenberg, and my wife Marnie and I have been married for over 30 years, and we have four adult children, uh, two married daughters, and two as of yet unmarried sons, so we still have a little bit more work to do. Um, and uh, just let me tell you right away, I'm not a parenting expert, uh, far from it. As a matter of fact, God has a sense of humor to allow me the privilege to share with you some thoughts about parenting. But you know, having parented for almost 30 years, you can't help but pick up a few things along the way, uh, most of them for my wife. Um, kind of forces you to figure out what to do, especially when crises hit and your children have questions or, or struggles. Um, let me also say what a joy it is to have children. As Psalm 127 says, children are a gift from the Lord, and blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, whose quiver is full of them. I did a tiny bit of quick searching what a quiver is and what a full quiver looks like. Uh, I know what a quiver is, which is a, a, a case or a sheath where a warrior put his arrows. Now, scholars don't agree on what a full quiver is. I've seen anything from four, five, to eight, to twelve, to uh, I don't know. So uh, it is whatever uh, maxes you out, I guess. In our case, that was four. But uh, there's even a quiverful movement, I understand, which is people don't practice uh, you know, contraception and birth control. So I know that's more than you wanted to know about quivers. But, uh, you know, we throw that around so much. And sometimes it occurs to me that we may not even know exactly what it is we're talking about. Well, uh, the Bible places great value on godly parenting. And uh, I think uh, Jack already alluded to uh, one of the main verses in the New Testament on parenting, Ephesians 6, 4, which says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, you know, depending on your Bible version, uh, some of them say in the nurture or fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, notice that most of those uh, parenting passages in the New Testament are addressed to the fathers. And that's not a slight of the mothers, but it is because the father is considered to be the head of a household and the leader of the home. And so fathers ought to not just delegate the discipline to their wives, but they ought to at least you know, be involved and to, to be leaders when it comes to discipline. Now, now, what I'm going to talk about this morning is something Marnie and I developed together in almost 30 years of parenting. Well, mostly Marnie. Uh, the way we see it, our goal in parenting should be to guide and shepherd our children all the way from infancy to mature adulthood. It's a long road. Uh, in order to do that, we do need a long-term perspective so we can parent in light of that end goal rather than just trying to make it through the day uh, with no clear vision of what we're trying to accomplish. And as Grace said yesterday at the, at the beautiful brunch uh, that we had uh, for the parents who dedicated their children this morning, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. Uh, and some of you here, maybe single, but plan to have children one day, 
maybe a dating couple, uh, expecting parents, uh, or parents of infant, toddler, middle, high school children, whatever your status in life. I hope you'll be inspired by the biblical vision for parents uh, to nurture boys and girls who know, trust, and love, and serve the Lord. Uh, and by the way, that's really something that uh, has challenged Marty and I. We don't just want children who are barely Christians. You know, we want children who actually love and serve the Lord. So that's that's pretty high bar. Uh, in our parenting materials, we present an approach we call 3R Parenting. And no, I'm not talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic. I'm talking about parenting that's realistic, relational, and responsible. Realistic, relational, and responsible. Uh, so let's first talk about realistic parenting. I'll try to define what we mean by each of those. Uh, by practicing realistic parenting, we mean parenting in light of biblical truths regarding creation, the fall, redemption in Christ, and uh, our eternal destiny. You know, we don't want to parent simply based on wishful thinking or in good intentions or even on romantic idealism. And we certainly shouldn't put our biblical beliefs and convictions aside because we're so smitten with our own uh, offspring, our own flesh and blood. But we'll want to parent in light of what Scripture has revealed to be true about our children about ourselves, and about the world in which we live. Now, often when we talk about parenting, we start with our children. After all, it's, it's they who need parenting, right? Uh, but Martin and I believe parenting actually starts with the parents. You think about it, right? No parents, no children. Uh, so no matter how old your child is, and maybe you don't have children yet, but... Uh, you may want to take a simple parenting inventory like the following. Ask yourself some of those questions. Uh, how is your own walk with the Lord? How is your own walk with the Lord? How is your relationship with your spouse? Do you have any addictions or besetting sins in your life? That's pretty personal, but important question. And what's your parenting philosophy? What's, what's your parenting philosophy? Ideally, those are some of the things to work through when a couple is engaged um, and getting ready to get married, but it's, it's really never too late. Uh, if your own walk with the Lord uh, maybe isn't quite what it should be, you want to start on that now uh, because it'll affect your parenting. If your relationship with your spouse needs work, you know, address those issues uh, now. Uh, same with addictions and besetting sins, I promise you, those will keep you from being the parent uh, God wants you to be. And uh, married couples, if you don't have a parenting philosophy, why don't you spend some time talking about this uh, with your fiancé or spouse? It seems obvious, but uh, um, there's many who, who, who have never really taken the time to, to reflect on this together. Um, okay, so... Uh, Realistic parenting. We believe realistic parenting entails realism uh, about at least three things. First, uh, we need to be realistic about our own 
sinfulness and limitations as parents. Again, starting with the parents. Romans 3.23 says, and you know the verse, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that includes parents. Um, often a parenting problem comes down not to the children, but to the parents. And let's start with ourselves. Uh, we may be too busy. Sometimes we may be too, too selfish. Or maybe husband and wife, we can't agree on how to parent our children. Um, or we may be in some sort of maintenance mode uh, without a clear direction or goal in, in parenting. And you know, not all limitations are sinful. Some of them are just because we are finite. Uh, we are frail. We are weak. We uh, need uh, help and support and encouragement. Uh, secondly, we need to be realistic about our children's sinfulness and need for inner transformation. Uh, we need to be realistic about our children's sinfulness and need for inner transformation. Uh, realism means we embrace the fact that our children are born sinners, and you could never tell from those wonderful Facebook pictures, uh, you know, uh, family photos, uh, but it's true, right? Got a parent in, in, in light of, of, of biblical truth. So let's not be surprised or shocked when our children disobey. I mean, what do we expect? right? They're sinners, and because they're sinners, our children won't be able to consistently obey apart from the inner transformation that comes from the new spiritual birth that they experience uh, when they trust Christ. So external rules are important, right? Kind of like the law fulfilled a purpose, um, but they will only go so far. And so we should pray for their salvation and Try to introduce them to Christ as early as possible. At least that's what Marnie and I were trying to do. Uh, and then third, we need to be realistic about real-life challenges in the world in which we live. So we should expect to struggle as parents. Talk about struggling parents. That's really all of us. Uh, to some extent, because the world in which we live, to put it mildly, will not always be our ally when it comes to raising our children to become godly, mature Christian adults. In fact, we need to protect our children from the culture, uh, which, as you know, is in terrible shape right now. And, of course, Matt preached an entire month's worth of sermon just recently on that. Uh, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So, as we sang, right? We're fighting a battle. He's already won. Love that song. Um, let me just elaborate a little bit more on those real-life challenges. Mothers. You know, mothers today often face unrealistic expectations. Many of you work and try to raise and nurture your children, at least part-time, but you struggle with fatigue or, or lack of support from your husband. I remember years ago when I, I was a young dad, and I read somewhere that the number one challenge for mothers is fatigue. And I was thinking, what? Fatigue? You know, I mean, that's the last thing I would have thought of. But apparently, it's true. Uh, uh, men, you know, we were expected to work long hours. We often away on travel, uh, uh, sometimes even on the weekend, and 
you know, we're human as well. We need support and encouragement. We need accountability. We need uh, good role models. Now, uh, my dad left my mom when I graduated from high school, and they got a divorce a few years after that. And even before that, he was largely uh, absent from home, uh, especially during my teenage years. So uh, when I became a Christian, and later when I met Marnie, I resolved with God's help and with the guidance of the scriptures uh, to be a better dad uh, to my children than my dad was to me, uh, even though I, I still love him and, and have compassion on him. He had a hard upbringing during uh, World War II. Uh, and finally, uh, children. Children today face unprecedented challenges, I believe, at school, in their peer groups. Um, you know, social media sucked them into a world that's not exactly conducive to uh, develop a, a healthy self-image and that encourages them to pursue holiness and purity and a right relationship with God. So all of us, right, uh, have challenges. And I think it's important to be realistic about those things right up front. We're not parenting in a perfect world. Um, we parents are not perfect. And our children, surprise, surprise, aren't perfect either. So now, uh, one of the most important questions, uh, Marnie and I, uh, most frequent questions Marnie and I get asked a lot, has to do with disciplining our children. And again, we're certainly not experts on that, but, but it's a good question because... Uh, the verse we read earlier in Ephesians tells parents to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Every child needs discipline. Every child needs discipline. And you see there's a positive and a negative side, right? Uh, there's, so it's not all just punishment. A lot of it is instruction. Uh, Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod, that is, whoever fails to discipline their child, hates the child, but he who loves him is, is diligent to discipline him. Diligent to discipline in our books, uh, Parenting Essentials and Equipping for Life, we talk about seven marks of proper discipline, and I'm going to very briefly share those with you, just because that's what we deal with each and every day as parents. That's realistic parenting. First, discipline should be consistent and predictable. should be consistent and predictable. And I know uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're trying to cover today, so you have to just write small and maybe write it there in the margins. Uh, if you're lost, we're right now under principles of discipline, right? Still under the first point. I have a little more on realistic parenting just because it's so important. We'll go a little more quickly on the other two. Uh, so discipline should be consistent and predictable. That's important because it helps to reinforce in our children a proper view of God and uh, their own uh, sinfulness and, and what moral behavior should look like. Uh, so we should be clear and specific about what our children should expect if they cross established boundaries. I was always cringe when, you know, we had a Honda Odyssey, we'd go on road trips, and my daughter, you know, is very smart, you know, but, but still a sinner, right? Uh, 
I'd point out she did something wrong, and she'd always say, but I didn't know. I didn't know. And I was thinking, really? (laughs) You didn't know, so your problem was just ignorance, you know? And so I resolved every time that I'm going to make triple sure that I communicated and we communicated our expectations clearly. So she she could not uh, credibly (laughs) claim that she just didn't know, right? Uh, Hebrews 12 says, incredible passage on discipline. I'm going to read just excerpts. My child, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. We all have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father's spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. A great passage. Um, Secondly, discipline should be age-appropriate. Age-appropriate. We need to continually discipline our children, but the form that discipline will take will change depending on their age uh, and other factors. Uh, So you may choose any of the following methods. uh, Spanking, timeout, uh, loss of privilege, or or reasoning um, with them, explaining um, uh, interacting. In our case, of course, because our children are now all grown and out of the house, uh, we no longer spank them, of course, and we no longer put them in time out or use loss of privilege, but we still talk to them about issues they're facing and how they should handle them in the godly and discerning way. And it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy uh, talking with, say, my son, and I love the way he thinks in many ways. So part of it, you're just kind of a sounding board at that point. Um, so that would be uh, the uh, importance of, of, of age-appropriate discipline. Thirdly, discipline should be child-specific, we believe. Uh, what may work well with one child may not work as well with another. They're all a little different. Um, So we need wisdom to determine what kind of discipline works best with a given child, because God made them each unique. Some are very sensitive. You know, you barely touch them and they burst out crying. (laughs) Others are fiercely independent, and you know, the rest are somewhere in between. So we may want to and may need to be more gentle with a sensitive child, but probably need to be more forceful with a strong-willed one. And you have to figure out which is which. Uh, fourth, discipline should be fair and just. That's another favorite line of our children. But it's not fair. You know, uh, even older children may sometimes feel that way. And, you know, occasionally it may be true because, you know, we're not perfect. But to the best of our abilities, we should make sure that the discipline we use is measured and appropriate. So, you know, Morning, I talk about the punishment must fit the crime, so to speak, or it won't be effective. Colossians 3.21. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So if we overreact or act too leniently or if we show favoritism, we're not going to achieve our purpose in disciplining our child. Fifth, discipline should be Administered in love, not anger. That's obvious, but uh, you know, when your child has been annoying for a while, uh, you may get increasingly frustrated. 
uh, and then it, it may be very difficult to, to stay calm and above the fray. I mean, we're here Sunday morning, and you know, that's one thing, but in the, in the thick of parenting during the week, uh, well, Proverbs 16.32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So if you're by yourself um, and don't have a support of the other parent right then, uh, you may want to separate the children, take some time for everybody involved to, to, to calm down. It doesn't help if you as a parent are not able to handle your own frustration. Um, having said that, in our experience, um, a discipline needs to be close enough to the time when a given you know, uh, misbehavior uh, occurred or our children won't, won't, will no longer see the connection. Uh, sixth, discipline should be future-oriented and forward-looking. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says, it's one of the most famous verses on parenting, uh, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Isn't that amazing? Uh, we should take obedience seriously, just not overdo it. <laughs> uh, because I think that can be counterproductive uh, if we want to encourage positive uh, change. So each occasion, if we handle it well, can bring our children closer to our main goal in parenting, which is for our children to learn lessons about God and about themselves and to grow in their relationship with God and others. And then seventh, uh, keep a healthy focus on your relationship with your child. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about relational, relational parenting. Uh, I think that may be the most important uh, point uh, of them all. Uh, you know, guiding and disciplining our children needs to happen in the context of a, of a close and growing relationship with them because our children are human beings uh, who struggle with sin and selfishness just like we still do as adults. And so they, they don't just need our you know, discipline and our methods and you know, we look at them as a task. They need our support. They need our understanding and our help in this difficult venture especially in the world we live in today, of growing up to be ideally a man or woman of God. So having said that, let's move on to relational parenting. And what we mean by relational parenting, seems obvious, is that we treat parenting as a growing, living, and loving relationship with our children, not just a task to be accomplished. You know, it might be easy for us for as men to feel like, okay, we're coming home from work and uh, or whatever, working remotely, but we're giving our attention to our family, right? Maybe late afternoon, and, and we feel like, okay, we spent a little time with our children, just ask, you know, if the day's been going, whatever, and then we kind of checked it off, you know, and whatever, watch TV or, or do whatever. Uh, parenting is not just a task, we can just kind of check off our to-do list. Uh, really, all of life is basically a network of relationships. When you think about it, God's kingdom is relationships, right? Sometimes, you know, for me, God's kingdom, is that's very abstract. So it helps me to think of, essentially, it's people, right? Um, so, as I said, Ephesians 6.4 tells parents to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But in order to discipline and instruct, right, we need to 
have a relationship so they'll listen, they'll be receptive. Meaning we need to invest in relationships with our children. And part of that is taking an active interest, especially as they're a little bit older, in our children's lives. And one way, important way, we can convey that is by asking detailed questions. And I've learned a lot from Marnie in that regard. You know, whenever one of our children would come home from an event, she would ask, you know, just a whole series of questions. Uh, How many people were there? Uh, You know, what happened? Who did you talk to? What did you talk about? You know, not even just a question and then already moving on to the next one. No, actually listen and ask follow-up questions. Were there any problems, challenges, anything unusual happened? Uh, And, you know, at first, especially certain phase, our children were, you know, sometimes reluctant to talk. But but gradually, they'd open up, and after a while, you know, they'd totally forgotten about any inhibitions, and they would share freely. Because if we take an interest in their lives, if we remember their friends' names, for example, they'll treat us as their friend and confidant and share what's happening in their lives. And, you know, we're talking years of, of, of investment here. At one point, I remember uh, one of our daughters uh, knew six different Hannahs. And I think it was similar with our son knowing a lot of Jakes uh, or Jacks. Uh, uh, you know, it wasn't easy, but somehow Marnie managed to keep those six Hannahs apart. I never could. Uh, uh, and it showed my daughter that her mom cared about her and her friends. Well, um, let's talk for a moment on relational parenting, on the five different kinds of relationships that uh, we are dealing with in our parenting journey. Um, parents with God, parents with each other, parents with their children, of course that's at the heart of parenting, and then children with God and children with each other. So you could break down relational parenting into those five types of relationships. They're all very important. Uh, the first one, parents with God. Uh, you know, like with any other relationship, said at the beginning, right, parenting starts with parents. Uh, you need to nurture and cultivate it or it'll run dry. So uh, seems obvious, but it still needs to be said. Uh, we need to spend time with God individually, and ideally you and your spouse should spend time with God together as well. Even Jesus, during his time on earth, often got up early to pray and spend time with God. In, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I think that's just incredible. How much more should we get away and pray to God on a regular basis? Because, not because God needs it so much, but because we depend on him and uh, we need to hear from him. Now, Marnie and I, after many years of trying, have finally had some success in making the first hour of the day, a time with God. First, by reading and reflecting on a portion of Scripture, and then by spending an extended time in prayer over what we've learned uh, from studying that passage, and also by you know, praying for our marriage, our family, and our upcoming day. 
taking one day at a time. Um, I'm just so grateful um, the Holy Spirit uh, to do that work in us because He has really transformed our spiritual walk with God and, and uh, has improved our relationship. We've seen a lot of specific answers to prayer in the lives of our children as well. Um, secondly, parents with each other. Um, now, as husband and wife, even when we have children, um, you know, we need to uh, just spend time with each other and, 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 and for our marriage to, to grow. So let's not neglect our marriage. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19 says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Uh, some wives may have a tendency to put their children first, um, even over their husband. Uh, not because they don't love their husband, but because they love their children so much. And they need us constantly. You know, it's understandable, but our marriage must continue to be our first priority because the time will come when our children are gone, but we still uh, have each other. Uh, and, you know, our primary relationship, our primary commitment is our marriage. We're married to each other, not to our children. So uh, let's try not to neglect our marriage when we start having children or any point along the way. Uh, you know, men, let's not conduct our marriages in maintenance mode. Uh, I love a book that I read not too long ago, uh, Date Your Wife. And, you know, the author setting the bar very high. He took his wife on a one-month road trip on their honeymoon to Alaska. Uh, so, you know, it's made slightly intimidating, but the guy is very creative. And I think his thesis is, is right on, that many of us men, after a while, right, uh, revert more to a maintenance mode in our marriage, and, and, and we need, uh, you know, encouragement to, um, yeah, think about things that our spouse enjoys doing, to learn her love language, what makes her feel loved, to serve her, to compliment her, you know, whatever you need to do to show her that you love her and don't take, take her for granted, and, you know, not just on Mother's Day. <laughs> um, thirdly, parents with children. Obviously, that's at the heart of, of what we think of, you know, as parenting. Uh, you've heard the saying that parents need to make sure they spend quality time with their children, and it's true, but quality time is no substitute for large quantities of time. Uh, Martin and I have this mantra, if you will, that presence is the essence of parenting. Presence is the essence of parenting. You can't parent if you're not there, right? Uh, just prior to entering the promised land, Moses told Joshua, um, and that's Joshua 1.8. Many of you have memorized that verse. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. It's quoted in Hebrews, but it's already right here. Don't fear or be dismayed. And I think in, in, in a similar way, parenting means we're present with our children. We come alongside them. And we help them navigate the various challenges they face. So as parents, you know, we should be there for our children. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, remember the day of the Abide Conference? I spent virtually the entire day driving the various members of our family around uh, to where they needed to go. And, 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 and again, to me, I want to have a close relationship with uh, our children, especially now our two sons. 
And so I need to be willing to serve them and to do whatever it takes to stay close. If they need help with anything, like, you know, some assignment, even at work, need some sounding board, uh, I should try to be there for them. If they need someone to talk to, uh, issues in relationships, you know, we want to be there. It, it takes years, like I said, to cultivate that kind of relationship, but it's, it's so worth it. Um, so again, the bottom line is, is parenting is presence. You know, presence is the essence of parenting. Uh, for children we've got, that's another crucial relationship in the entire parenting process. And Barney and I convinced that to introduce our child to God and to Jesus should be one of our highest priorities. By God's grace, we're able to introduce our children to God early, but in each case, the scenario, the scenario was different. Um, I think, put it simply, uh, what we tried to do is help them understand three things. Understand that they're a sinner, and, you know, what that means. Secondly, understand what Jesus did for them on the cross. You really can't become a Christian, right, unless you, you have some basic understanding. We're not talking about the different fears of the atonement here, right? But, but just basically, uh, you know, uh, uh, for them to make the connection that they're sinner, they need uh, a savior. And then thirdly, simply to understand what they need to do to become a Christian. You know, how does that, how does that work? Um, and like I said, every, every child is different, every case is different, but what we try to do is be alert, you know, and to look for those moments of openness, uh, teachable moments to talk to our children about their need for a relationship uh, with Christ. And fifth and last, uh, children with each other. That's the final relationship. Now, best case scenario is our children are doing just great, like uh, Jackson uh, Jane's uh, children, and never have any problems getting along. Uh, but realistic parenting tells us that there will be conflict, and so we need to be prepared to handle it. Uh, you know, in my case, uh, I'll be honest, that was probably the area I felt least equipped as a young dad to deal with conflict. Because um, in my family, I guess, uh, we hadn't quite figured that out yet. Um, so let me give you a, a, a quick list of some of the things where you might expect conflict in your family. And I would say, as I go through that list, certain mental images come to mind in our family. I mean, there was conflict literally on every one of those points. Uh, so you'll be ready. Dealing with social media, you know, what age to start. You know, they think they're ready. You think maybe they're not quite ready. Uh, what to post, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Uh, respecting family privacy, right? And not to post something that we as parents feel like that should be part of, of, of just stay within the family. Uh, relationships, anything related to dating, boyfriends, girlfriends, um, you know, cliquishness. They're going to school, they're left out of the social circle. It can be very, uh, very painful, very hurtful. You know, you need to, need to help them with that. Sibling rivalry, um, you know, alleged favoritism. Uh, Parents being inconsistent, um, or you know, uh, perceived to be inconsistent, uh, territorial issues at some stage that can be big. You know, invading uh, somebody else's space, not respecting their property, borrowing something without asking—it it can be a big deal. It, it can take some time to work through that. Uh, plain old disobedience. 
disobedience, insubordination, challenging the parents um, or other authority. Uh, it's even more serious. Uh, rebelliousness, um, because we're, sinner, uh, we're all sinners, right? Uh, insensitivity. You know, if you have both boys and girls, um, especially... Uh, boys not treating girls gently, uh, being inconsiderate of another's feelings. Maybe they've had a rough day or uh, they're tired. Uh, girls not affirming boys or encouraging them. Um, and finally, miscommunication. You know, there's misunderstandings. Uh, and that's not sinful, but it still needs to be worked through to, uh, to have a good relationship or no communication at all. We're too busy sometimes to talk about things, or we have unworded assumptions. You know, sometimes, remember having arguments, one person assumed the other person already knew, but they didn't, and they really had no way of knowing, and so it's just a simple thing. You know, we need to make sure we communicate. Um, sometimes we're not clear. Um, so I think we need to be working on our own communication skills, not be lazy, right, and expect other people to read our mind. Uh, unloving words, right? We're not um, speaking carefully uh, and we're hurting other people with our words. Um, just quick four-step method, you know, if it were as simple as that. But <laughs> I got four things that uh, I'll start with A, you know, that uh, we didn't always, you know, rigidly follow that, but, but in essence, uh, as Marnie and I thought about, you know, working on the book and sharing what's helped us, those were four steps that we roughly uh, used over time. First is in resolving conflict. So again, we are here um, under, right at the end of number two, conflict resolution, right? And the one before was sources of conflict that I just finished. Um, uh, the first uh, step in conflict resolution is analyzing the issue, which involves a lot of listening, right? Especially if you were not there when something happened, you know, you need to just find out what happened. Uh, secondly, encourage everyone involved to accept responsibility for their actions. This is old as the garden that we tend to, right, blame other people. And so the big part is that we help our children just focus more on themselves and say, what did you do wrong? You know, and then number three, of course, encourage them to apologize meaningfully, right? Not, I'm sorry, you know, but, but to, 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 to make sure that their apology is sincere and heartfelt, not to just evade negative consequences. Uh, and then fourth, uh, to encourage people and for us to do the same, to affirm our love and affection, uh, which because we really want to reconcile their relationship. And if you do that right, of course, uh, we'll draw you even closer through conflict. That's the beautiful thing about it. Um, okay, finally then, responsible parenting. Responsible parenting. And by that, Marnie and I mean parenting that accepts responsibility for raising our children the way God has called us to. And that's what the child dedications were about as well today, rather than handing over parts or all of the parenting to others, whether that's daycare workers or relatives or even coaches, youth pastors, and certainly not peers, right? Um, so for those of us who have children, parenting is not optional. 
uh, we are responsible and we're going to be held responsible to take care of our children, to provide for them, uh, to protect them. But are we responsible? By that I mean, do we take our responsibility as parents as seriously as we should? Ephesians 6.4 is a command, not a suggestion. You know, we're commanded to bring up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And in our book, the last three chapters uh, deals with uh, responsible parenting. And we, we talked about helping our children grow in character. We spent a lot of time on that. Uh, secondly, valuing uh, quality education. And um, I know one family in the church that just spent several months looking at different schooling options and agonizing over, you know, what's the best school, what's the best uh, arrangement for their children? That's important. And thirdly, uh, preparing our children for their mission in life. Preparing our children for their mission in life. And that includes, you know, figuring out uh, their vocation uh, and finding a spouse. I'm going to just close with saying a few things about each of these. First, the character development. Uh, in our experience, uh, virtually all parents affirm in theory, right, the importance of, of character. But, but in practice, what we've seen uh, is that often, in effect, they seem to put education above character, uh, you know, testing well, pursuing a top college, getting a good job, pursuing the American dream. Now, a good education is very important. But we've come to realize that chasing success and focusing on achievements um, to the detriment of character will ultimately backfire because it'll produce young people who are deficient in character, who are willing to compromise, cheat on assignments, uh, exams, who lack integrity. And, and that's going to inevitably produce problems at work, in relationships, and have other negative consequences. Now, uh, for us to focus on character is not going to be easy, especially because we can't measure progress that, you know, simply, uh, how do you determine if your child is more patient or more loving now than they were a year you know, or two years ago? Uh, but over time, right, cumulatively, uh, Martin and I are convinced that solid Christian character is, is, is going to win the day. It's, it's more important than education. Uh, for example, we found our son's involvement, and some of you have the experience with your daughters as well, uh, in sports can be a great arena uh, to help them develop Christ-like character. We're very grateful, especially for uh, some Christian coaches uh, who are committed to discipleship and who taught our sons that winning isn't everything and good sportsmanship is, is more important than winning at all costs. A lot of discipling in our family took place in the car ride, you know, after the game on the way home when the boys, uh, I love sports, uh, especially analyzing them, and I'm good at them myself, but I love, you know, uh, analyzing them. Uh, so as a parent, I love that part of parenting. You know, you talk about bad calls from the refs, things that went wrong, uh, you know, areas to improve. And so I think our boys learned a lot about submission to authority, uh, about being a team player, 
Those are all incredible life skills. And about being a gracious loser and, you know, even being a gracious winner. Um, a couple other important areas of character development, just quickly, uh, something that's become more and more important as our children got older, and we knew we wouldn't always be there with them, is to help them develop some wisdom and discernment to make good decisions. You know, to help them think through an issue and to arrive at a good choice, good decision. So uh, just uh, four questions that uh, we've often talked to them in that regard, uh, and that's um, under principles of decision-making. And so you got the responsible parenting right uh, focused on character, education, and mission. So uh, almost at the end of this, um, of, of responsible parenting, principles of decision-making. Okay, uh, first question would be, why do I want to do this? Um, you know, what's my motivation? Sometimes, you know, as they thought about it, and we, we talked it through with them, they realized their motivation was maybe not the best. Uh, secondly, what will happen when I do this? Again, it's a simple question, but, you know, what are the likely consequences down the road? If I do this, you know, what's going to happen after that and after that? Uh, sometimes, you know, when you're a certain age, you don't think that far ahead. You know, you just want to do something uh, without thinking about consequences. Uh, very simple. A lot of things our children would probably not do if they asked that question. You know, what will happen when I do this? <laughs> Um, also, what are my alternatives? Because sometimes we may have more than one good option. So then, you know, how do you decide what's the best option? You know, what internship should I pursue, you know, when they're older? Uh, and finally, what do people I trust recommend? Obviously, you know, there are times when maybe, you know, one of our children, they start, started getting more involved in their relationship, you know, as people today say they were talking uh, and uh, Marnie and I were just not so sure, you know, if that was, if that was the right course of action. Uh, ideally, you know, we at least had some input at that point, you know, and were able to, to, to express certain uh, concerns. Um, Again, you know, for the sake of time, I'll, I'll move on. We, we don't have time to cover everything uh, that has to do with character development. Um, you can see that and realistic parenting I spend a lot of time on because I think that's probably what's most important. Uh, but a few other things we've tried to do is instill hard work ethic, right? Instill hard work ethic. Um, challenge them to do everything they do with excellence. I love our youngest especially. You know, he's an He's excellent in everything he does. He's an excellent basketball player. He's an excellent uh, musician, you know, uh, school. He wouldn't tell me what his final grades were in his junior year in college just yet, so uh, I'll have to wait and see on that. But um, anyway, so uh, pursuing excellence, uh, helping them to learn how to deal with adversity. Well, we talked about, you know, after uh, ball games, talking to them. Uh, develop self-control, uh, especially when it comes to using smartphones, the Internet, social media, and so forth. Those are huge, huge challenges. And, you know, when Marnie and I do a, maybe a parenting weekend at, at, at churches, uh, Marnie usually talks at length about, about some of those things, you know, uh, smartphones and social media, because she has a lot of wisdom in that area. 
education, for the sake of time, I'm not going to say uh, I mean, hardly anything uh, about that. There's more in our, in our books if you're interested. But uh, Marnie and I have loved homeschooling with a few years of exception where they went to um, uh, Christian school. Um, so let me just tell you the four benefits that we've seen in homeschooling. Uh, we found that homeschooling creates a close bond between parents and children. Um, and even siblings. You just spend more time with them. Uh, secondly, uh, we were able to tailor their education uh, more to their individual personalities and interests and, and their learning styles. So they learned more in many cases. Uh, third, we uh, had more control over their curriculum. Um, you know, Bible classes, worldviews, screening out evolution and other crazy stuff in their history books and so forth. And fourth, uh, more flexibility. Um, you know, you didn't have that attendance requirements that kept you from, from travel uh, during the school year. Uh, we went on some great field trips as a family, uh, other extracurricular activities and educational opportunities. So, uh, you know, homeschooling is not for everyone um, and school choice is your individual family's decision and we realize it depends on a variety of things. We took it one year at a time. Uh, depends on the available schools in the area, depends on your financial situation, other factors. Um, but bottom line, we need to make sure our children are protected and uh, so they don't get overwhelmed with unbiblical values and morality. And we're still responsible, right? Uh, we can't just, uh, like I said, uh, under responsible parenting, you know, to just kind of send them to school and then just not worry about it. Uh, we're still responsible. Okay, I'm going to close with a word about mission because that way we've come full, full circle. I said at the beginning that we need to adopt a long-term perspective with the end goal in mind. And what's that end goal? That end goal, Marnie and I believe, is to pair our sons and daughters for their mission in life. And we found that Helping our children discover their mission in life is one of the most exciting things as parents. I'm super excited. In each of our children, I could tell you a lot about what they're doing right now and, and how, how come they ended up you know, uh, taking that path. It's also the, one of the most challenging things because it's very complex, right? And it can be a little bit um, anxiety-inducing because you know, often you, you just don't know the future. You don't don't know what, what's going to happen. It involves a lot of learning about our children, uh, listening to them, observing them, uh, seeing how others affirm them in their areas of strength, and just encouraging them to pursue God's will and direction for their lives. You know, whatever that may be, uh, they may not want to be like a Bible teacher like I am, and that's okay. I, I, I shouldn't live my, try to live my life vicariously through them. Okay, one more thing as I close, finding a, sp uh, finding a spouse. Uh, essentially, Martin and I uh, believe in more of a friendship approach. Uh, and again, you can't put God in a box, right? And, or a relationship in a box, we understand that. But, but by a friendship approach that we encouraged our children uh, in, is we mean that healthy relationships are often develop more in a group setting where young people get to know each other over time without pairing off too quickly or prematurely. Um, we think that's a better way than a courtship model, which I don't know how common that is, but you know, you probably know what I'm talking about, which you know, it, it forces young people to get serious 
you know, very early in their relationship and kind of declare their intentions often in a more strict, uh, uh, you know, uh, model with, you know, talking to the dad, asking for permission. Um, also, a dating model, we, we are a little um, hesitant about because we find it's a little too casual and may un, uh, unnecessarily end up hurting people uh, in the process. So, um, you know, Martin and I are believers in providence. Uh, we believe that God will bring a young man and a young woman uh, who trust him in that area of their lives together uh, in his way and in his perfect timing. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen it in the lives of our two daughters. We're still fervently praying for God to do um, that in the lives of our sons. So I hope I've given you an adequate survey of 3 R parenting, parenting that's realistic, relational, and responsible, and there's something you can take away from this morning that you can use in your uh, family with your children. You know, wouldn't it be great if we could nurture a culture of that kind of parenting here at Fellowship Raleigh? All right, well, let's pray. God, thank you so much for... Um, everyone here in this room, God, and I do pray for your spirit to apply the biblical truths that I shared from your word uh, to each person and each family represented in this room. God, we, we desperately need you and depend on you and in your spirit to first um, just lead our children to Christ and then to sanctify them uh, wholly, which will take um, their entire lives. And, and please forgive us for our many shortcomings and, and thank you that you're our Heavenly Father who loves us and who is so faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.